Jeff. Obviously, you're not a golfer. What kind of beer do you like? Heineken! Fuck that shit! Pops Blue Ribbon! You take drugs, Danny? Every day. Good. So what's the problem? I don't know. Money, 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 money! I drink your milkshake! I drink it up! Son of a bitch. Stole my ass. You're a cantaloupe. <laughs> Let's get this party started. Get it over with. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome back to WTM. Watch this movie. I'm your host, Eric Mulder. So he says, wrecked him, damn near killed him. Another full house today. You want me to go clockwise today? I'll go clockwise. You need to get the clip from full house when you say full house. (laughs) (laughs) Just like the opening song. (laughs) A couple seconds. Guess that's more TV, but it works. Yeah, let's it's not TV. let's, let's not, not say we did. <laughs> <laughs> let's do. Uh, we got Wolfie T with us today. What's going on? Yep. I'm kicking it live, homie. Kicking the stupid dog moves, busting it out. Still busting it out. Still kicking it live. <laughs> so we're still sold on that with the stupid <laughs> with the stupid dog moves. Jason and I are on the fence. Right <laughs> I'm not like sold. I'm not, I'm not against it. It's growing on me. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, we got Jones in the house. What's going on, dude? Nothing, dude. Beef jerky time. You want some beef jerky? Yes, please. <laughs> Nat is Jason. What's hey going there. on? Not too much. Jason's a legend, Jimmy. A legend. So, what's going on, guys? What's been going on in the news these days? <clears throat> Movie news. I heard there's something about uh, Quentin and Uma. Uma. Hot button issue. <clears throat> what's up? Well, Uma uh, did an interview with the New York Times last week um, about... The failing New York Times. <laughs> yes, the failing New York Times. And... <laughs> <laughs> Um, she talked about, you know, Harvey Weinstein, creeping the creep where he invited her up to his hotel room. Yeah. Another one of those. I think he did try to force us, force himself on her once, but she just kind of got out of that. Cause she's fucking Uma Thurman and she could probably kick his ass. <laughs> um, and then, uh, she talked about an incident on kill bill where she was in a car accident and there was some hurt feelings between her and Tarantino. And Weinstein and Lawrence Bender and uh, another guy. So she talked about in the interview about being on Kill Bill and that she was in, uh, in the volume two, she's driving a car in Mexico and a couple of shots. Mm-hmm. She's driving to Bill's house and whatnot. I remember. Well, she was in an accident uh, filming one of those scenes and she hurt her knees and her head and she still has problems uh, to this day from that accident. Uh, I think specifically with her knees. But, you know, head injuries are, you know, they can last too. She didn't feel safe doing the stunt. Um, she told Tarantino that, and she talked about how he was kind of mad, um, wanted her to do it, was pretty adamant about it. Um, and she ended up doing it because he said, well, you know, just it's a straight stretch of road. It's, you know, no big deal. 
you have to go 40 miles an hour uh, to get the hair going, you know, right. Make it blow enough. Um, was there, I mean, wasn't it, it was just driving down a straight mm-hmm. road, right? That's. Uh, yes and no. Like what's, what else is involved in that? So I'll just tell you the New York Times part of it, and then we'll get into what really happened kind of. Okay. Because the New York Times, they didn't fuck up the story, but they didn't get the whole story. So according to the New York Times article in the interview, um, yeah, she crashed and uh, she wanted the footage of the crash and nobody was going to give her the footage. Like mm. uh, Weinstein and producers and whatnot, they wouldn't release the footage. She ended up getting it from Tarantino uh, not too long ago, just over the past few months, I believe, or the past half a year. So Wouldn't you can go you think s- that the police like could force them to give them the footage? I mean, if she possibly, if she wanted to sue the company who's was currently at the time producing her movie, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. it's a it's a weird insurance issue. I don't, you know, I don't know all the ins and outs of that exact case because I don't think she ever brought anything. Yeah. It just seems like it'd be hard for them to just say like, no, we're going to hold on to that and nobody can see it. Mm -hmm. Well, they own the footage. She doesn't own any of it. Their property. Yeah. But I mean, if if she have footage of an accident, it seems like something they could. But if she was on a private set or they closed it off to the public and she didn't bring any legal action against them, she has no right to that. That footage. Plus it was in Mexico and anything goes in Mexico. Oh, sure. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, like if, uh, if a crime happens in a gas station or something and there's security cameras, can't the police go and like get that footage or can the, can they actually withhold that for, if they want want, uh, the police to investigate and press charges from what it Mm -hmm. sounds like, she didn't press charges. She didn't file a police report. Mm -hmm. It was just between the parties involved and maybe the insurance companies, but obviously she didn't sue. Like you said, she didn't press charges. Mm-hmm. Just, I, guess, I guess I can't blame the studio or Weinstein for not giving up the video. Right. Uh, why else would you want the video to sue or press charges? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, in all honesty, I'm not sure why else you would want the video of your car accident. <clears throat> yeah. Just just to look at yourself. I don't know. I find that hard. So I get how they're trying to protect themselves. Right. And if you're the production <laughs> yeah, company, you want police involved, then I'm sure they would have to give you it up. You wouldn't just but. give it up to the, to her to decide whether or not she wants to use it against you. Yeah. You wait until somebody forces you to give it up. Mm-hmm. So um, I guess they don't have incident reports on film sets. <laughs> huh? right. any, any other job that would need to be written up, you know, there would be a lot of paperwork. But it would be within the production company itself. It wouldn't be like hers. They wouldn't give and it like, to it her. Would, yeah, yeah, it'd probably be between them and like SAG or whatever union is protecting, you know, the mm-hmm. safety. Of, yeah. Because there's like a, a union for the stunt people as well. Yeah. I mean, there's a bunch of different stuff that goes into it. So maybe since, I mean, it might not even been classified as a stunt. Because like, hey, you're supposed to be driving just down a straight road. And that's, yeah. that's nothing. Well, uh, she talked about, you know, right after the accident, it was kind of a falling out between her and Quentin for a couple of years. It seemed like, um, we got into a big fight about it, you know, cause she was alleging, you know, you try to kill me with this. And obviously Quentin was 
thinking that he didn't try to kill her because <laughs> mm-hmm. he was trying to finish the movie. It was, it was right near the end of the shoot. There was only a few days of shooting left. So over the weekend, everyone was dogging out Tarantino. And also in the interview, she talked about how on the set of Kill Bill, he was the, Quentin was the one who spit on her face for the scene and then also choked her with the chains in Kill Bill 1. Mm-hmm. So like he was the one holding the chains and choking her. And then I guess in uh, in Inglorious Bastards, he it's his hands choking Diane Kruger when it's Christoph Waltz choking her. Yeah. And spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying she talked about this recently, right? Yeah. So why did this come up like just now? Hashtag was, times up. Yeah, times up. Me too. All that stuff. Okay. Um, people were curious about Uma and because she did a lot of movies with Harvey Weinstein, just you know mm-hmm. Quentin, you know. So they they went through all this stuff. So like Jessica Chastain was sent out a bunch of tweets and condemned Quentin Tarantino and why do you have to always spit and choke women in movies or you know degrade women? Why do they have to be you know um, abused in order to become strong and overcome adversity? You know women are already strong. It's like I I just like to say to her, well if you've watched Kill Bill you'd realize that she was a fucking badass before this happened. She was very strong and was trying to live out her life in solitude and was attacked by, actually, it was more women than men, <laughs> technically. Yeah. Well, no. It would have been two women and two men. Okay. So half and half. Equal. <laughs> Did she ask why he has to feature feet so prominently? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was one question that was not uh, left in. I mean, it's different. Like uh, Jones and I have maybe bred as well. I've seen a you know spit uh, a spit on your grave. Yeah. So that was kind of an exploitation movie from the seventies, where a woman is raped um, repeatedly by numerous men for about forty-five minutes. It's like the first half of the movie. There's a lot of rape in there. Hmm. It's uh, uh, it's just a random innocent and, woman. And when you think it's over, it's not. Yeah, because they keep on doing it. You think she gets away, and then it they just follow her and then she takes revenge and murders them all in glorious fashion this is the 70s yeah yeah wow it's it's very controversial it's considered a feminist film in some regards in other regards you know it's just exploitative and abusing women on screen Hmm. because after that yeah she goes and kills all of them like she even she cuts one of their dicks off and like it's a lot of like they get their comeuppance and it's pretty great i'm surprised they went that far in the 70s I mean, when did The Exorcist come out? Because that was... 72? Like, that was a big thing where they were banning it and stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm. Surprised they had all this going on at the same time. Yeah. It was kind of an exploitative film, obviously. So, I mean, like was a movie wide like... wide release, too? Uh, I don't know if it was wide. It was more of a smaller film. Mm. But they remade it a few years ago. And there's been a few sequels to that. Mm. Um, it's like low-budget remakes. Nothing... Have you, you seen know, the remake or no? No. I haven't either. I can't imagine what that one's like. Yeah. But like if Jessica Chastain was talking about that type of movie, then I would be in ag- agreement or at least I'd get her point. Because yeah, that's just, let's just take a woman and then abuse the fuck out of her and then let her, you know, get her comeuppance on her aggressors or attackers. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. if, I mean, if it's something like that, then yeah, that's fine. But Uma and... Kill Bill, the bride is already a strong character. Once you, I mean, you don't know it in the first scene. 
Yeah. She's, you know, I mean, she had to have some reason to get revenge, right? Otherwise it would just be a movie about her being, I don't know. And that that leads to a larger point of, okay, so we're just not going to have revenge movies, I guess, uh, fearing women at least. But then you get mad because then you don't have women in lead roles. (laughs) It's a vicious cycle. Why can't women get revenge? (laughs) Let's just make movies with no conflict. (laughs) Everybody gets along. But getting back to Tarantino, so there was that stuff over the weekend. He was kind of taken out to the woodshed a little bit by certain people. Um, And that was not Uma's intention. Apparently, what was supposed to happen was she was talking with Tarantino uh, the past few months about this story, about everything that was going to be in it. And apparently he was supposed to talk to another New York Times reporter and kind of corroborate what she was saying, specifically about, you know, allegations against Weinstein and how the accident was handled. So she kind of released another statement because she felt bad that Quinn was kind of being ridiculed more than like he was the main takeaway from the story not that a weinstein attacked yeah, me as well it, almost, it sounded like weinstein was more of a tangential mm-hmm. thing so you're saying it was hashtag fake news <laughs> no from the failing new york times it was it wasn't fake news it's more like that's the one question i don't have an answer to because when quinton did an interview just a couple of days ago or that came out a couple of days ago He's talking about, yeah, I was supposed to meet with this Marino Dowd, I think is her name. And, you know, we didn't hook up, so we didn't. I was like, well, why? Why didn't you meet with the reporter? It sounds like that was your and Uma's plan. So maybe you should have done that. Like, (laughs) So that's the part of the story I don't have an answer to. But Mm. uh, Uma kind of came to his defense a little bit. Uh, I have a statement here from Uma. I will read it. Uh, So she posted a clip of the um exited again on instagram and she said i post this clip to uh memorialize its full exposure in the new york times by marine dowd the circumstances of this event were negligent to the point of criminality i do not believe though with malicious intent quentin tarantino was deeply regretful and remains remorseful about this sorry event and gave me the footage years later so i could expose it and let it see the light of day regardless of it most likely being an event for which justice will never be possible. He also did so with full knowledge it could cause him personal harm, and I am proud of him for doing the right thing and for his courage. The cover-up after the fact is unforgivable. For this I hold Lawrence Bender, E. Bennett Walsh, and the notorious Harvey Weinstein solely responsible. They lied, destroyed evidence, and continue to lie about the permanent harm they caused and then chose to suppress. Uh, the cover-up did have malicious intent and shame on these three for all eternity. CAA never sent anyone to Mexico. I hope they look after other clients more respectfully if they, in fact, want to do the job for which they take money with any decency. So, at the very least, she's forgiven, Tarantino. Yeah, I was going to say, so her purpose, talking about this now, is after Weinstein, right? Mm -hmm. I think that's kind of the reason it came out now. But she's on good terms with Tarantino, right? I mean, that was a long time ago. Have they worked together since then? They have not. Hmm. Um, They talked about how their friendship is kind of back kind of to where it was. Mm -hmm. But um, so getting back to how the accident happened was they were shooting it a certain way and uh, 
Quentin drove it himself and like, I just want to make sure everything's fine. And he came, came back, you know, Hey, it's a straight stretch of road. And w- after he convinced Uma to do it, it was like a certain time of day. And they're like, Hey, what if we switch? Let's go the opposite direction. Cause the light will be better and we'll, we'll flip it. It's the same. Cause in his head, he's thinking, well, that's just, it's a straight either way is a straight, right? Well, uh, <laughs> The end point wasn't as straight. There is a curve in there. It was like a little S curve. And Uma talks about how the road was very sandy going 40 miles an hour. I mean, even on gravel, you know, Jones and I, we've driven a lot of gravel roads growing up. Even on gravel, you're going 35, 40, you might start fishtailing depending on your vehicle. Yeah. Yeah. On a dirt road, that's. Well, if you watch, if you watch the video, that road's not maintained. Yeah. She's driving on. It's a single lane road. Yeah, it's it's a dicey road to be going 40 miles an hour. And it's also pretty tight, I would say, in there. An old classic car that was, you know, At her, rebuilt the, for the... The steering wheel's at, like, movie. her knees. <laughs> yeah. She's tall anyways, but I think the car, I mean, like, it's way down here. So she's basically driving like this. Yeah. Uh, the listeners can't see you. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I don't know. Do I don't know de- why there isn't a stunt double doing it. Do you it. want to describe your pantomime so they, they it wouldn't the look as good as the wheels, ten and four? It was like I had two penises and I was jerking off left <laughs> and right. Yeah, it does look like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Tarantino wanted the accuracy of it. He thought it would look better, and it does. I mean, it does look my better. Ass with that, yeah, it's a weak excuse. The accuracy of her hair blowing. Well, of her. Of her? They couldn't put fans in there? Yeah, come on. (laughs) The camera shot, I mean, if you've seen the video, yeah, the camera's from behind, so you can't see her face. No, not at all. But I see blonde hair. But I could probably tell the difference between her and Zoe Bell driving the car, since it's a (laughs) close-up. Could you, though? Like, back then? I don't think you you could notice enough from the angle that it would matter. Possibly, but you can't get... That hair that Uma's rocking in volume two is just immaculate. No, it's not. Nobody it's can nobody can stunt double best. that hair. <laughs> but anyways, yeah. Um, and she kind of said, you know, I agreed to it because I trusted him. And she also talks about how uh, the spitting, um, Tarantino also talked about as well. Um, he didn't want an actor or a stunt person to spit in her face because they probably don't know what Quentin wants or where he wants the spit to land. And he didn't want somebody to spit on her like 10 times. Remind me when, when is the spitting in the movie? When Michael Madsen spits on her outside his trailer, bud. Right. After he After shoots, he shoots her, her with the yeah. salt pellets or something. Yeah. Right. And he shoot, okay. he has, he has like chew in his mouth and he's big honker right on her. Yeah. Well, and you know, he asked her about it. He said, we'll do it. Two or three times, if we don't get it after that, then we just won't get it. And she agreed to that, and it was fine. And um, I think she even said, if you didn't get the shot, you can do it again if you want. And he's like, no, we got it. And it was actually her idea for him to choke her during the uh, at the end of Kill Bill 1. Says who? Says Uma. Well, Tarantino said this, but oh. Uma's not. I never said that. No. Okay. Because she isn't attacking him for choking her right she said she said it was her idea uh because tarantino was wondering like how they were going to shoot the shot he was thinking they were going to have 
a like a bar, a metal bar behind her neck that the chain would kind of rest on so that it would, you know, so it wouldn't choke her. But you don't get the look of real choking. You don't get the the red face, the, you know, the vessels popping out, the water in the eyes. And so it was Uma's suggestion, just just you do it. I can't remember how long that was, but he said they only used it for close-ups. And the, I think the shot does look really good. It does look like she's being choked because she is. Her face is red. You can see veins popping out and uh, her eyes are watering a little bit. In the case of Inglorious Bastards, he says that was his suggestion that he choke Diane Kruger and he asked her about it. So we'll do it two times, 30 seconds each. Uh, and if we don't get it after that, then that's fine. But I am going to actually apply pressure um, to make it you know, really choke you so it'll look like you're being choked. And she agreed to that. And apparently after they did the two takes, she said, also, you can do another one if you want. And he said, no, that's fine. We got it. So apparently there was no, I guess, dirty play going on behind the scenes with those. I mean, it sounds bad because you're choking a person and it's a man choking a woman. Um, but So why, why were these all called out? In addition uh, to the car crash. Just there's a lot of stuff that is talked about in that Uma's article. The stuff that they're asking about. So I mean if he if she agreed to it, they both mutually agreed to it. I guess I just don't see how it applies. You're trying to create a case for Tarantino taking eventually going overboard, putting her behind the wheel. See, I think that's that's kind of what the New York Times was kind of doing. It almost looked like they skewered their article a little bit. The reporter decided to focus more on Tarantino when Uma was expecting it to be more focused on Harvey. Yeah, it's either that or everyone just took it as, well, we already know all this shit about Harvey, so this is nothing new. This isn't surprising. Oh, yeah. Look at this Tarantino shit. This is crazy. Hmm. You know, and then they just go with it from there. But, I mean, Tarantino, I forget what, uh, publication did his big interview it was just a couple of days ago where he goes through all this and talks about Uma's article. So, I, I mean, if Uma's not denying it, then I would assume it's, it's the truth, Ruth. So has she not said anything about the article since it came out? Um, well, what I read was what she said since it came out because she, Tarantino, oh, right, right. Tarantino said that, um, they talked on the phone and I think she was mad at him for not, um, talking to that other reporter because she didn't want, uh, this She also, They also both feel bad about kill bill and that they feel that like the legacy has been tainted a little bit because of people, all their opinions after this article, not just the crash, but the choking and the spitting. Hmm. And so they didn't want that to be tarnished because it was, they're very proud of the work that they did on that film. Uh, after this, I told Sam, cause I showed her the article and I said, well, at least it didn't do anything to her on Pulp Fiction. So I can still love Pulp Fiction. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like, I got to pick and choose these days because suddenly things are blemished and you're not supposed to like certain things. It's like, uh, Christ. So much controversy. <laughs> cause Tarantino in his new article, he pointed out that in the Uma article, when they talk about her being choked and spit on, they aren't using her quotes. She must have said this, and then they just kind of went with it and put it in the story, versus everything else is like she is quoted as saying this. 
it's almost like they're given like a general background to a scene or like almost like, oh, he did this and this and this. And, but they weren't using her direct quotes about those specific items, I guess. Mm. So it kind of makes more sense once you reread both articles, or at least Uma's. Like, yeah, they're using her quotes here, but then not here. And they're just kind of describing Tarantino. Mm. But yeah, I don't know. It's, it's kind of weird. I'm still wondering why the fuck Tarantino didn't just talk to that reporter. Seems like that was the plan. Yeah. But I don't know. So is a tarnished kill bill for you? No. Not at all? Like watching her driving the car in volume two is going to be a little different now. But the choking and the uh, spitting, that isn't... I mean, it wasn't like it was a movie trick the first time. When she got spit on, you're like, oh, and they had somebody spit on her. Is there a directory somewhere where I can go and find out what movies I'm allowed to like still? <laughs> No, I have not been paying attention, and I don't. Now I'm going to edit this out because I don't want anyone stealing this idea. <laughs> this will be a brand new edition. WTM? We'll start our own network. <laughs> yeah, need a website. Just make an app. Sell it for ninety nine cents. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess the moral of the story is: don't rush to judgment unless it's Weinstein. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, well, yeah, he did. He did that. Yeah, he is a dirt. <laughs> And, you know, Tarantino, he's not absolved of all blame either. You know, he did convince her to get in the car and do the stunt. And then also, uh, you know, he's reckless. That's your star. I don't know why you would yeah. chance it, I guess. Yeah, they didn't. If it was like a paved piece of road, okay. Mm-hmm. But it's not. It's like yeah. a fucking but bike if, path. But if he, it did it, like. if he did it himself, That's the he thing, probably like, thinks... Well, I'm no stunt driver. I can do it. Yeah, but you you're know? driving a car 40 miles an hour. Some people aren't comfortable driving, period. Did so you guys, have I you do all think seen? It's subjective a little bit. Have there. you seen the clip? Yeah. Can you describe it to me? I mean, she's just, the camera's mount. I think it's mounted on the back of the car, right behind her head, basically, and she's driving, and then hair is blowing, and it is relatively straight at first, from what I remember, but then it starts to just, turn a little bit here and there and then you see it and then the back end starts to swivel and then it goes out and she slams into a tree when she hits Ooh, the tree like, head, like head oh on. yeah when she hits the tree it's pretty jarring like mm-hmm. it's it fucking rocks her wow. pretty good where it was like when i watched it i was like oh she's gonna swivel and hit something and we'll be i was kind of taken back a little bit by how hard she slammed into that tree because mm-hmm. she her whole body jumps in the seat uh, yeah and then she sits there for a minute just kind of like in the same position. I remember she said like she was numb or probably concussed a little bit or something like that. Did and then people start her, What did she hit up. her head on? The, um, I don't know if she hit her head on the steering, steering wheel, wheel I think. Yeah. And then she jammed her legs because it's so tight. Mm-hmm. She's tall. She jammed her legs into like the dashboard too. Um, and then it took them a little while to get her out of the vehicle and stuff. Mm. How long is the clip? Like a minute. Yeah, a minute. 30, 40 seconds is the actual driving in the crash. And then the last 20 is like people around her in the car, slowly like trying to help her and stuff. Hmm. But so, yeah, I think that'll about do it for movie news. Although, you know, Black Panther opening this weekend, apparently it's the greatest movie ever fucking created because it's a perfect rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Kendall Kamar did Black the soundtrack, Panther? so I'll take it. Who, what? Though? Who? 
Kendrick Lamar. Oh, okay. He produced the soundtrack. Oh, yeah. Fucking right. Did you know that he drives a uh, Lexus, the Black Panther? No. <laughs> why, why would I know that? Didn't you watch the Super Bowl? No, I didn't, actually. <laughs> I watched parts. <laughs> he drives a Lexus. Just, that's what I got from that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, obviously, nobody really wants to give Black Panther a negative review because then you're a fucking racist. So, I mean, I'm, I'll, I'll see it. I'm just not going to see it in theaters. Not because it's Black Panther, but because I don't see any fucking Marvel movies in theaters outside of Avengers. And I haven't even seen all the Avengers. I saw the first one in the theater. Second one, no. Um, I guess I saw the Iron Mans in the theater. That's about it. Didn't see any of the Guardians. And those are like the ones I really like. I mean, out of, well, I guess in the upper half of the Marvel movies. I saw Captain America Civil War in the theaters, but none of the other ones. None of the Thors. None of that Hulk stuff. None of the other shit. Because I really don't give a fuck. They only but, made one Hulk movie, right? Two. They made two, but it was well, not, before... Yeah, not the Ang Lee one, but like with... Uh, Ruffalo? No. As part of no. the... Uh, no, as part of the, the whole Avengers thing. Well, I think they try and like retroactively put in the last Hulk movie as part of this universe, but it doesn't really work because Mark Ruffalo's not in it. Yeah. <laughs> but that technically was like the first of the Avengers set of movies, right? Uh, the Iron Man one is supposed to be the actual first. Oh. Well, they're about the same time. Yeah. That Ang Lee one was bad. Is that with Ed Norton? Or Eric Bana? Eric Bana was the Ang Lee. Okay. Hulk. Took him about an hour and a half to get there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. You guys going to go see Black Panther in the theater? No. I mean, I'll see it when it's out. I will. No? No. But you you and Sam pretty much see most Marvel movies, right? Forgot you redid that. (laughs) (laughs) It seems much longer now. It is longer. Sam is more (laughs) hardcore Marvel, DC fan. I mm-hmm. like them, though, too. They're entertaining. Yeah, I mean, I like them. So we always go to them. But not enough to, especially with all the Best Picture nominees out now, any kind of popcorn movie is pretty much firmly on the back burner until I get all these nominees out of the way. It helps that like Kendrick Lamar did the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sure I'll like it. I'm just... Like Kendrick Lamar. I don't really... Do you? I don't get all yeah. amped up <laughs> for the new Marvel I don't movies. get, like, amped up for them, but... They're fun to watch. Yeah. I don't know if I'll watch that one. Fucking racist. (laughs) (laughs) Although, I think Wonder Woman's on uh, Showtime or something now. Might watch that in the next couple weeks. (laughs) That's a goodie. Just to see what all the hubbub is about. Yeah, you'll finally see it. Hashtag feminist. And your chauvinist ways will be behind you. I need to be, you know learn that women can be strong and powerful because he didn't know that before he saw wonder woman or when you see it well we are going to talk about nine to five later so yeah <laughs> all right let's get into uh a little round of what have you seen lately what did you see clarice what did you see uh let's start off with you wolfie what did you see all right uh this was kind of a stinker uh, 1977, Tentacles. It 
It's uh, it's about a mutated giant octopus wreaks havoc on a California seaside community. Definitely not a Jaws knockoff in any way. Uh, directed by Ovidio G. Asinitis. I don't know. It's spelled weird. Starring John Huston, Shelley Winters, Bo Hopkins, Henry Fonda, Claude Akins. So yeah, I would uh, give this one a last resort. Uh, like I said, it's sarcastically, it's not a Jaws knockoff. Because it is a Jaws knockoff. It came out about two years after Jaws. It's a very similar theme. A giant water creature attacks people in the Oceanside uh, community. Is uh, it animatronic? No, it's an actual octopus, but they don't show it very often. They show some close-ups, and then it, it inks a couple people. Uh, but, like, the octopus-related violence is mostly off-screen. How big is yeah. this thing? It's uh, it's quite large. So how do they... You said they use a real octopus? Yeah. A real, real really large octopus? Well, they did a lot of close-ups. Right, okay. Like, it... Most of the stuff was off screen. Yeah. Like, you just show people getting pulled down. What you don't see is the scariest thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so, anyways, uh, it's got a surprisingly well known cast John Houston, Shelley Winters, Henry Fonda. That was Henry Fonda, Peter Fonda, and Jane Fonda. Are they all related? Yeah. Yeah, he's the dad. Is yep. he? Okay. Mm-hmm. That's what I assumed, bud. And uh, Shelley Winters, uh, for a part of it, she wears a giant sombrero for no reason. <laughs> it's what you need uh, for no reason. Just it's not even like mentioned. She's just wearing it as part of her just everyday wear. A sombrero? Just a giant sombrero. <laughs> and then she's got like a like a beach hat. She's like wearing all denim Somewhere. with it, and her shirt's got like giant pointy uh, collar on it, and it's like bedazzled and. It- <laughs> It's really out there. She it's like the whole chilies. movie take place on the beach. Is that why she's wearing a sombrero? So that would sort of make sense. Not necessarily. Uh, they do live by the ocean, though. Um, but, like, there's just really weird stuff that happens in it that's kind of funny. I don't know if it's supposed to be funny or not. So it's, for that part, it's it's kind of worth a watch, but the rest of it is pretty pretty bad. What's it clocking in at? Uh, last resort. No, no, no. Time wise. Time wise, it was uh, it's clocking close. in. Clocking in. <laughs> hour it, hour forty two. What year did you say Pushing it was? Seventy seven. Hmm. Hour and a half. I'd probably give it a watch. <laughs> hour forty two. <laughs> well, the last couple minutes are probably credits, but <laughs> you know, I I would uh, I would recommend Orca over this one. Uh, it's probably not on Jaws's level, but I would probably do Jaws one, Orca two, Tentacles three. You know, I heard recently that there has never been a recorded case of a person getting killed by a wild orca. Every time a person has been killed by an orca, it was in captivity, like at Sea World and stuff. Like Free Willy, well, right? What? Like that kid <laughs> when he let <laughs> Willy go? Did Free Willy? Did Willy kill somebody? I think that's why, about? yeah. Thank you. Thank you. That's what, that's why he was. Is, I think this is a prequel. Free Willy. 
been a long Gorka, time since Gorka I saw was, that movie. I don't remember. Well, the, the, movie, people and then, the movie Orca, he had to get his revenge because they killed his wife and aborted his baby. So The Orcas? Yeah, the Orca had to get his revenge. Who had an abortion? Uh, they captured the female orca and then the, the dudes just poked her till the baby came out. I was wondering how an orca was performing an abortion. Orca went down to Planned Parenthood. <laughs> it wasn't by choice. But, uh, that's, does the orca live in the end? No spoilers. No, it's, no. How old is it? It's, uh, it's right around that Santa 76, 77, 78. I think it's been long enough. <laughs> Well, in that one, there's Willie. He uh, <laughs> he, he follows the uh, the fishing ship all over, and they end up in the in the Arctic, and then he traps them under the the ice. And get, climate change gets them, <laughs> sets them free. No, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if, he, if they had some global then he warming, Sea World, <laughs> and fucking Billy shows up, play but, with him and let him free. But Orca, Orca is probably a, a last resort too, maybe a borderline eventually. But uh, we're not talking about that. We're talking about tentacles. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right, tentacles. Tentacles is a uh, last resort. But uh, if you do take the time, there's there's some stuff that's that's entertaining enough to get you through it. All right, Jonesy, the hell did you watch? Um, might as well talk about El Topo. I remember it. I watched El Topo. Topo? T-O-P-O? T-O-P-O, Spanish for The Mole. It's from 1970. It's a Spanish-language film from Mexico. A mysterious black-clad gunfighter wanders a mystical western landscape encountering multiple bizarre characters. That does not do what this movie is all about justice. Uh, (laughs) Directed by... Directed, written, starring Alejandro Jodorowsky. He's done some other movies. What's the one? Star Wars. Not Star Wars, but. Well, there there was a documentary that came out not too long one. ago about his plan for Dune. Dune. So he's, I think he's most well known for Dune. I mean, he All didn't his other do shit Dune, is, but. What's that? David, David Lynch did Dune. Yeah. Did but he? he was going to do Dune, and the oh, okay. documentary is about. Kind of like his version of what Dune would have been. His, gotcha. His probably would have been better, having not seen the documentary. But, I don't know. <laughs> but but having seen uh, David Lynch's Dune, I'm, I'm guessing <laughs> that the other guys was probably better. So I'm I'm giving this movie a last resort before I kind of get into it. Um, Ooh. Now, this movie is loved. To call out, I'm giving it a last resort, and it's only getting a last resort because of so many people loving it. It's a big cult classic. Apparently started the big midnight movie trend in the seventies. A uh, big counterculture film. Midnight movie trend. What does that mean? Uh, kind of like I don't know. You can probably explain midnight just movie. exploitation movement. Kind of ramped up late sixties throughout the seventies. Exploitation movies or midnight movies. Grindhouse. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. kind of grindhouse. Like the storyline isn't as normal and just kind of far fetched shit. Let's put in some tits. Let's put in some blood. Let's put yeah. in some explosions. And you got yourself a movie. Cool. Uh, this movie is best described. I think Wikipedia calls it an acid Western film, which is an like excellent that. description of it because it is like you're on acid watching it. <laughs> um, but people like John Lennon, Yoko Ono loved it. David Lynch loves it. Uh, Peter Fonda, Dennis Hopper, granted they're in 
um, Easy Rider, which is kind of got some another, weird shit. Another counterculture movie. Yeah, I, don't, I don't think any of those people do acid. Or Bob Dylan, Marilyn Manson, Peter Gabriel. Um, so this movie is tough to describe. Essentially, Topo, the name of the gunfighter, he wanders around for the first 30 minutes on a horse in the West. There's a lot of sand dunes in this West, though. And he's got a naked boy, his son, on his back, on his horse the entire time. He runs around with no clothes on, just a hat. How old is this kid? Seven. Because when it opens, he's he tells him, you're a man, so go bury a picture of your mother and your first toy you ever owned into the ground. <laughs> that's that's too old, old for... Uh, and it's Alejandro's actual son. That's too old for, <laughs> for child nudity. <laughs> um, so he's running around first 20, 30 minutes of the film. So you watch child porn, is what you're saying? Essentially. Um, <laughs> but but if it's his own son, it's okay. <laughs> I give consent for my unconsenting son. Hmm. It's like watching America's Funniest Videos. They have naked kids on there all the time. <laughs> what year was this? 1970. Yeah. So yeah, it, uh, it, the artsy counterculture crowd, I would say if you're a John Waters fan or part of that counterculture, um, it's probably right up your alley. I'm not. Um, I see we rated like pink flamingos as a last resort. It's an interesting watch. It's two hours and five minutes though. So like the last 30 minutes, I was just kind of biting my cheek, just hoping it would get over with because it was, it's very incoherent at some points, a very religious, religious themes throughout the entire thing. So he basically, he stumbles upon a village where everybody's been murdered, tons of blood, tons of gore. And then he finds out who killed the villain or who led kind of the, uh, the killings in the village. He goes and he kills them. He frees this woman monk. And then she's like, well, you, to be the best gunfighter in the West, you got to beat the four masters. So then it's basically the rest of the movie is him going and defeating these masters. Each one. So they're like Pokemon gyms and he's. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so it's kill Bill. Um, with a list four people you gotta kill. yeah kind of but each master represent they they don't say this but each master represents like a different philosophy or religion like one is more buddhist uh i don't know one's has more of an eastern philosophy is i don't know he's, he's like one? christian so, so it's he, like he's representing christianity almost so it's like the game of death weird i don't know what that is uh uh bruce lee only it wasn't bruce lee because he was dead for seven years by the time it came out no, I don't know that one. But anyways, uh, he meets a ton of interesting characters throughout. Anyways, he defeats all four of them. But then along the way, he stumbles across a woman who, uh, she's a woman, but she has a man's voice. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> so after he beats these masters, the one woman is like, yeah, you're, you're the best. But they end up just kicking him to the curb and the two women hop on a horse and ride off and leave him in the desert by himself. And then he is picked up by a bunch of people with handicaps and dwarves and what? people with ailments. And they take him into, <laughs> into this. Uh, we don't need a scene by scene. I have to because it, 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 I had to think in my head, how the fuck can I describe this? Uh, where did you watch this? So I'll wrap it up. Like, where did, where did you watch this? Because this sounds amazing. At my house while I work from home today. No, no, but... <laughs> Did you rent it or? Oh, no, I bought it. Oh, you bought it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> because I read the back of it. It was when I was in Seattle and with the oh, yep. uh, Scarecrow video. And they had f so many obscure movies. I looked at it and I was reading in the back of it and I was like, fucking, 
well, it's a cult movie and has tons of acclaim. And I kind of knew that guy a little bit from doing weird shit. And I asked the clerk and he goes, that's probably one of his more coherent movies. <laughs> I was like, oh, after watching it, I don't know if I'll watch any others. Uh, anyways, I, the whole reason it's a big counterculture one is because those people in the mountain almost represent the counterculture because he calls them, is he called outcasts? They're known as the outcasts around there. Um, and he ends up freeing them from the mountain, but then he's killed. Uh, it's fucking weird. A couple people to highlight in there. They have a real life master blaster. That's how I describe <laughs> it. So he, when he goes to fight one of the masters in the West, it's a guy, this is, it's a real guy. Uh, and big fucking tall dude with no arms, but on his back is a small dude with no legs. And so they're acting as their halves almost, but they're real people amputees without like the arms and limbs. So it's, it's real life master blasters. How I think of it. Uh, <laughs> real life. Well, master blaster was real life. That was a big dude with a tiny dude strapped. In. Right. <laughs> true. I, I like how you consider the ones in that movie to be real life. <laughs> true. You're saying uh, little people aren't real. <laughs> um, and then towards the end, a bunch of old uh, Spanish women in underwear, old Spanish women in underwear, they rape a slave, but then claim he did it, and they all kill the slave. Um, so that kind of sums up El Topo. Uh, hmm. All right. In a nice, big fucking nutshell. <laughs> <laughs> I, there's no way in hell to explain that. Very religious no. tones. Uh, people love it. Uh, where did I read? Ebert was like, yeah, I could see... How if you're on acid and you're part of that culture, like this is into you, but then the other side thinks it's a big yawn. But Siskel listed it in like his greatest movies list. So he loved it. So it is kind of a divided thing. I don't know if I'd watch it again, to be honest. Um, Very weird, incoherent, but I'll give it a last resort just because. I'll take the movie off your hands if you uh, want it. Yeah, Refn (laughs) loves it. Um, Lynch loves it. Oh, right up my alley then. So, Ruffin and Lynch. Yeah, the thing is, at least those guys, their movies have a little more coherency with weird shit integrated. This thing was very, I don't know, it was all over the fucking board, but it was weird. Hmm. And the mole technically is uh, supposed to be descriptive of underground cinema at the time, too. They called underground uh, theaters in New York and stuff like that moles. Because it was basically art that wasn't known to the public, but occasionally they were getting the light of day. So that's, yeah, so that's El Topo. Sounds cool. I added it to my list of movies to watch. There you go. It is worth a watch. It just, I, I would be curious your guys' thoughts. All right, J Train, take it away. All right. I continued my 80s horror movie suite with Friday the 13th, part three. 1982, and Friday the 13th, the final chapter, 1984. So, part three, I think, is my favorite Friday the 13th so far. I've seen one through four now. And one, two, and four are kind of blending together for me. Like, it's hard to think back and kind of tell them apart because there aren't really that many memorable characters they're very similar movies, just in the sense that a bunch of people show up. Not a lot of character development. Don't really care who they are. 
then they all get murdered. Was Crispin Glover in four? Yes. Okay. He's a great dancer. He's also... <laughs> so far, out of all the random people that have died in the Friday the 13th movies, he was my favorite one. Like, I thought his acting was... Because he's such a good dancer. And actor. <laughs> but yeah, dancer. Are you talking about that really weird video that he did? No, he's in the movie. He dances, does he not? Oh, he does. Oh, yeah. I can't believe I didn't. I'm, I'm just kidding. He's terrible. Yeah, it's hilarious. He's awful dancer. I mean, it's... <laughs> that was a joke. It, yeah. I was just joking. Yeah. I he's he's not a good dancer. I should have realized what you're talking about, because that did stick out to me. It's like, what... Are you doing? Like the main thing he did in that movie was dance. Yeah. Well, he had he probably had more lines than most of the other people that die. But anyway, I thought he was he was compelling. When most of the other characters in those movies is like, I don't care about these people. Like, there's nothing interesting about them. You didn't care about Corey Feldman. Well, okay. Let me let me just. Uh, <laughs> I was going to talk a little bit about that last scene, but. Okay, let me start with 3. So 3 is pretty great. It's got the 3D gimmick where people are sticking stuff into the camera all the time to take advantage of that. There are interesting characters. Like, they actually do stuff that makes them memorable and interesting before they start dying. And, I don't know, it just seemed a lot more original and interesting than the other 3 that I've seen so far. Final chapter, I also enjoyed. I'd say that was maybe my second favorite out of those four. And a lot of that is due to Corey Feldman. And the rest of it is basically due to Crispin Glover. Two of those, pretty much the only recognizable names in that movie. Or even in any of those movies. And so I, I watched all these with my girlfriend and she was constantly screaming at the screen because these people are acting like, you know, More 80s horror movie <laughs> <laughs> protagonists. So, like, every time they knock down Jason or Jason's incapacitated for whatever reason, they just run away. Like, they just leave the room. They're like, okay, I guess I'll go somewhere else and let him chase me down and try to kill me again. But at the end of 4, spoilers, Corey Feldman just freaks the fuck out takes <laughs> what does he use machete i think right yeah i think or he machete or an axe yeah or machete I think. I think it is a machete he picks it up and just starts hacking away at jason's face like that dude is dead yeah, it's fucking sweet and <laughs> so my girlfriend's like finally <laughs> like, finally somebody actually took the initiative to make sure that guy was dead well it's so. the last one you know because it's called the final chapter yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, <laughs> I I read about that. Originally, it was supposed to be, well, originally it was supposed to be one movie. Like, they weren't even gonna bring back Jason after the first movie, and then they're like, okay, let's make it a trilogy. And then the trilogy happened, and Jason dies at the end of the third one, supposedly. He like, dies they, at the end of every one. Yeah. <laughs> well, he doesn't die. They never actually show him dead at the end of the first two. They show him. Well, the first one, he is was, dead. Was in the lake, third one but, where they hanged him in the barn? Yeah. Yes. Okay. And then the so second that's, one he that, gets that that'll happen the night. The shoulder. Yeah, the second one they get him in the shoulder, but then even after that he comes back and tries to get somebody through a window mm. and then that's the last time you see him I think and he's still alive. So that, you know, okay, so somehow he healed and he came back for the third one. 
But then the third one, that hanging that you were talking about happens like at night, and then they show him laying on the ground in the morning with a machete in his head. So it seems like he's pretty dead. Yeah. But then I thought it was pretty funny in the fourth Flesh one. Flesh wound. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Apparently, because in the fourth one, they don't even explain how he comes back. Like well, they he bring just him, gets up. Don't matter. Yeah, they bring him to the morgue. <laughs> like somehow nobody noticed that he wasn't quite dead. And then he just gets up and starts killing people in the morgue. Pretty hilarious. <laughs> Classic Jason. Yeah. He's a fucking legend. <laughs> but yeah, so three three is awesome. Four is alright. What are ratings. remind me what, what the ratings scale is? Bottoms never, then it gets up to last resort, then eventually, which is our standard stamp of approval, then soonish, then ASAP is okay. the top of the top. Well, I know I've said eventually for all of them, Friday the 13th so far. It feels weird saying that for all of them. I would say, I don't know, it's hard to say never to any of these because I don't know. It's so fun. Yeah, it's a fun franchise. I would say if you're going to watch... Okay, so I've only seen the first four so far. Out of those four, if you're going to only see one of them, see the third one. It's the first one where, I don't know, it just really feels like... I think we have three rated eventually. I think we have three and six. Maybe even one is it eventually. I would well, that's probably, even where he gets his mask, too, so it's like... I'd probably say they're all them. eventually. I think one through mm. one through three for sure are all eventually. In my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. After that, then it... Say five... Really, nothing uh, goes past eventually in Friday the 13th trilogy. I think or five, series. seven, and eight are not eventually. I don't think there's any Friday the 13th that's a soonish. Yeah. yeah. Like Maybe that. the first, if you want to try to give it the classic credit, but we've all kind of said, like, it doesn't really hold up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I guess they all fall somewhere in the spectrum of... Eventually, so far, we'll see how the rest of them go. All right. Well, I saw a brand spanking new movie, 2018, A Futile and Stupid Gesture. I saw this on Netflix. It is a Netflix original, hmm. but apparently it was at uh, Sundance. Is anybody else annoyed about how he says gesture? I was, gonna, was it meant to be Wait, gesture? You, what did I like say? Was gesture? Was play on words? You said gesture? Did Isn't I? that a board game? <laughs> I thought it maybe. Well, I didn't know if the movie title had a play stupid on words. And, or... uh, futile and stupid gesture. 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 What, I, what G- did I say the first time? Gesture. You said ge- uh, gesture. Okay, yeah. I know the, the word like, is gesture. Like it's It's G- a G-E-S-T-U-R-E type of situation. So. Yeah. It's gesture. <laughs> gesture. So I just misspoke. Ever have that? Words you can't get? Never. Um, <laughs> All right, so this is on Netflix. Um, not not that badly. Storyline is uh, in the 1970s and 80s, National Lampoon's success and influence creates a new media empire overseen in part by the brilliant and troubled Doug Kenny. And is directed by David Wayne. Although this is kind of a, a different film for him because uh, all of his movies, except for role models, are all very similar in their styles. What Hot American Summer, The Ten, Wanderlust, all lot of, uh, they came together. It's a lot of absurdist humor. Um, Role Models is more of a mainstream type of comedy. 
This one, I wouldn't necessarily say mainstream, but I guess it's not like a, like a typical David Wayne comedy film. This is actually about real life, you know, events and whatnot. And real people. life shit. So. Is it a biopic? Uh, nuts. Well, a little bit. Uh, about Doug Kenny, kind of. Um, so Doug Kenny, if people don't know, um, he started National Lampoon with his buddy from Harvard, Henry Beard. So I want to get that name right here. Yeah, Henry Beard. And uh, I guess I should go over the cast here. So Doug Kenny is played by Will Forte. Uh, Henry Beard is played, in Bly, played by Domino Gleason. Um, so, and there's a whole cast of characters because it gets into National Lampoon. It gets into the makings of Animal House and Caddyshack. So, like, they have Joel McHale plays Chevy Chase. Andy Daly plays Bill Murray. Seth Green is uh, Christopher Guest. They have Thomas Lennon as Michael O'Donohue. Uh, Natasha Leone is Ann Beats. I don't know. She was still making movies. Yeah, apparently. Natasha Leone. Who's that? Uh, she is a star of such fair as Orange is the New Black. Uh, she was Jessica in American Pie. And then, oh, uh, of course. She was in Detroit Rock City. Yeah. Who? Jessica. Oh, the Natasha Leone. Yeah. Red, oh, okay. She's funny. She was in a movie where she was a cheerleader, but she was a lesbian, so they sent her to some kind of re- rehab center for lesbians. What was that movie called that she was in? What? Where she played the lesbian, Natasha Leone. I, I From can't the remember. 90s. Something about cheerleaders. All right. Well, uh, I also I, I misspoke earlier. Uh, not Andy Daly, John Daly, who plays Bill Murray. But there's other people in here. Like, um, God, they fucking, they sorted it by credit order. I fucking hate that. Well, we got the gist. Yeah. But anyways, so it's kind of the National Lampoon's rise to prominence. And the making of those two uh, films specifically. Can, can, I, I, can I say what movie I was thinking? It was called But I'm a Cheerleader. Okay, thanks for that. <laughs> um, but I, stupid and <laughs> futile and stupid You're gesture. Welcome. You're welcome. Was fucking awesome. I loved it. I'll probably just give it an eventually because I might be a little biased towards it. Like the National Lampoon stuff, uh, that shit fascinates me. And I'm, a huge fan of both animal house and caddyshack and so in like the early days of saturday night live because it talks about that because saturday night live pretty much started with just a shit ton of people from national lampoon that lauren michaels just kind of poached so it gets into that uh, john belushi is in here i mean obviously the i forget the name of the actor who portrays him but um so like he's in here gilda radner i forget who plays her um, There's a good uh, documentary on Showtime. What was it called? Stone Drunk and yeah, something. Uh, and it was about National Lampoon. Yep. And I watched that. I was going to tie that into this. Uh, it's yeah, called uh, Drunk, Stoned, Brilliant, Dead. Oh, yeah. The Story yeah. of National Lampoon, which is also on Netflix. Um, and that kind of, it goes, covers the same beats as the movie, but it goes farther because the movie kind of ends at a certain point, um, like in the early 80s. And then it kind of, because the documentary goes into the later days of National Lampoon a little bit, even though there isn't all that much to speak of. But I mean, they did, 
Um, you know, the vacation movies series, at least in the eighties, they didn't do Vegas vacation, which is why you don't see national lampoon in front of Vegas vacation. And then they also did national lampoons loaded weapon one, which I'm a huge fan of underrated spoof, but yeah, this, these stories, like these, these actors like Bill Murray, Chevy Chase, John, all these people in their prime, like right when they're just starting out and the movies, like I said, it's, it's about National Lampoon, but also the relationship between Doug Kenny and Henry Beard because they kind of started it and they were friends and, but, uh, he was also, Doug Kenny was kind of best friends with Chevy Chase, at least according to Chevy Chase. Um, you find out more about that in the documentary aspect of it. And I don't want to give away too much, but um, Joel McHale is phenomenal as Chevy Chase, I thought. Well, the problem is he's not in there all that much because he's just kind of a side character. With There's so many people in here. That's why it kind of got middling reviews. Like it's right around the fresh rate on Rotten Tomatoes, that type of thing. People, like critics would point out that it's kind of bloated with, they try to throw too many things together. Uh, the movie's only an hour and 41 minutes, so it's pretty quick. But they do throw a lot of stuff at you. I mean, it goes from the mid-60s to pretty much the mid-80s. It's 20 years, it's movies, it's Saturday Night Live, it's National Lampoon does a lot of stuff. So it's a lot of stuff to fit in, which I can kind of see, but regardless, um, this is way up my alley. Um, I think it's... Uh, be interesting for anyone who liked Animal House or Katie Shack or Saturday Night Live or any of these actors. I think this will be up your alley. Is it dramedy-ish? It's obviously um, got funny moments, but because it's about Doug Kinney and the story of, is it more? Uh, there, there is some, some drama, drama, drama beats in it, but it, it's mostly a comedy. But yeah, there is a, there's a couple scenes that are more like dramedy type of thing. But yeah, mostly a comedy. But yeah, some of the, a lot of stuff is fascinating. I mean, there's a lot of cocaine. Caddyshack, that movie is pretty much made on with just cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> it's a hell of a drug. <laughs> That's <laughs> that what I hear. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, check that out. And then yeah, the Drunk Stone, Brilliant Dead, they go together very well. There's also a very good documentary on just Caddyshack, the making of, which is on. Most of the like Blu-ray and DVD copies of it, and I've seen it on TV multiple times. I forget what that one is called, but also very good. Shouldn't be too hard to find. Yeah. And they use a lot of aging makeup to make them go through these 20 years? No. Um, see, Martin Mull narrates the movie as an old Doug Kenny. Hmm. And then he's like, he's introducing like a bunch of the, like they break the fourth wall quite often in the movie. I mean, besides the narration, they do other things to break the fourth wall. But like, he's talking about, he's like, you think I looked like Will Forte when I was 27. You think Will Forte is 27. <laughs> so like, they're being very upfront with like, cause even says it's like, yeah, the, these actors don't exactly look like the real people, but what are you going to do? We got to yeah. fit it in. I, you know, Will Forte doesn't look 27. Let's, let's move past this. <laughs> That's funny. So they bring it up, but yeah, it's, I, I had a hell of a lot of fun with it. I will be rewatching that. Cool. All right. So I think that'll about do her. 
an exhaustive conversation on Uma and Tarantino at the beginning mm-hmm. there. A little downer. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, you can reach out to us. Shoot us an email at watchthismovie at yahoo.com. Follow us on Twitter at watchthis underscore movie. Check out our website at wtmwatchthismovie.com. Please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes and or Stitcher. Other than that, we will check you later. Guess we'll see you around. All right, check you later. Bye. Wait, man, why are you always such a dork, man? What are you talking about? Check you later. Check you later. (laughs) Hey, man, you're off my case.